Welcome to Sensemaking. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm an integrated life and business coach, the creator of The Sovereign, and a seasoned wellness practitioner. I believe in investigating the truth. I mean the whole truth. And I bring on sensemakers of all kinds who are brave enough to poke holes in commonly accepted narratives. The world is wild, my friends. And with censorship, cancel culture, and pretend uniformity of opinion, we need more sensemakers who are willing to be who they authentically are, bringing their real-life stories and evidence to the table. Sensemaking will challenge how you feel about a variety of topics from health, politics, spirituality, culture, and more. I want to free you from thinking that you have to go along with the narratives. But mostly, I hope you find yourself in the stories we share here, sparking the idea that, hey, I'm not so alone in my thinking, after all. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I apologize for having a little blip here in between episodes. I have been doing less but better lately. I've been doing my very, very best to boundary myself. (laughs) Uh, I love to take lots on. I have the podcast. I have my sovereign membership, my coaching business. Um, I'm a busy girl, but I decided that I was going to peel back do a little less, refine some of the things that I have going on, but also guys, it's summer. So I also wanted more time to be in nature, to be with my family. So this is a podcast that I recorded a little bit ago. So we're almost due for an update on it, but I have to have to share the story with you. Uh, In this week's episode, I'm interviewing Francois Amalega Batondo. Uh, He is from Quebec, and he has a wild story to tell you. He has been arrested multiple times. He has been held in solitary confinement. And if you think you're brave, or maybe you don't feel you're brave, if, if you can imagine a brave person in your mind, I think the story is going to just abolish it. The reason that the last few years were able to happen is because there weren't enough people willing to do what Francois did. I think you're going to be blown away. You're going to hear me laugh a couple times in this episode, not because what he's saying is funny. It's because I'm amazed at this man's resolve. There was nothing anyone could do to Francois that would make him budge or sacrifice his values. Nothing. There was not a threat in the world that would make him back down. For that reason, this episode is going to go down in history, so I can't wait to show it to you. Before we get into the show, uh, let's address this week's sponsors, which is me. (laughs) Yeah, I sponsor my podcast. So this is brought to you by The Sovereign. The Sovereign is actually shifting. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot. The Sovereign is shifting to The Sovereign CEO. How do you become a Sovereign CEO of your life? So this is a coaching container 
for coaches, healers, and freedom-minded entrepreneurs who want to master their mindset and master their mission. Working with a coach one-on-one can be out of reach for a lot of people, which is exactly why I made this coaching membership. So you're getting the benefit of one-on-one, well, sorry, not one-on-one work with me, but live coaching with me each and every week, along with my specialty workshops and content creation days and things that you really need to master your mindset, master your mission, create the kind of self-discipline you need so that you can start charging forward in this world, make a difference, and make bank. Money is the most practical thing we can do right now to live sovereign and free, and I believe that you should love your work. So yes to matrix-free living, yes to freeing yourself from the system, but can we also free ourselves from our self-sabotaging habits? from those stories that keep us stuck, from the narratives that have been holding us back because we're scared or fearful of the uncertainty of the world. The world is uncertain. There is no way around that. We can't control what's happening in our external circumstance, but we can control ourselves. Work with me in the sovereign and you're going to feel unshakable you're going to feel like a master of self so that no matter what happens in the world, you know that you can pivot you and your business at any time. With that, let's get into this week's episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear this wild story. It's a little bit longer than some of our episodes. So if you need to hit the pause button or take this one on a road trip with you, uh, definitely do that. But you're going to want to hear this story right to the end. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sense Making. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with my uh, have with me today my friend Francois. Francois, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Carla. Thank you for hosting, of having me with you. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm happy to be able to share my story with you and uh, with your people. It's very nice to meet you. I I got an Instagram DM one day. And it said, you have to talk to Francois about what happened. And that was the first time that I had heard of you. And then I went to Rebel News. I saw some of the interviews. For people that don't know you, can um, you give us a little bit of an introduction? I am uh, uh, a Canadian citizen since 2017. But I was born and raised in Cameroon. is a country in Africa. And I came here in Canada in 2012. I just want to mention that uh, I entered Canada on the 13th of March, 2012. That I, I precise that date because uh, we were locked down in Quebec on the 13th of March, 2020. So exactly eight years. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I came like uh, a permanent resident. I immigrated uh, like a math teacher. I have been teaching mathematics in Cameroon since uh, 2001. So I came here, and uh, when I came in Quebec, I uh, I went back to school. I studied, uh, I did a master, because in Cameroon, I had a bachelor in pure mathematics, and I had a master in cheating mathematics. So when I came here, I did a master in algebra, so in pure mathematics. And then I started uh, the PhD in maths. But I did the, the, 
the school part. So we could do a PhD in uh, University of Montreal in mathematics. You also you have to have five courses. I did all the five courses. You have to take three PhD exams, and I took them successfully. And you have to write a thesis. So when I was in the process of uh, doing the research and writing the thesis, I I found a work in uh, College Jean de Brebeuf. It is a CGEP here in uh, Quebec. It's students are between 17 to 19 years old. So I started teaching, cheating here. <laughs> I always have problems with those two words. <laughs> okay. Uh, I started teaching there in uh, 2016 uh, in College Jean de Brebeuf. So I've been a teacher in College Jean de Brebeuf. Uh, from there to the um, until the 5th of February 2021, when I resigned, I'm the one who resigned, and for me it was important, even though some people uh, don't find it very strategic, but for me it was important. But I was a permanent teacher in, so when I started to teach in 2016, three years later, I became a permanent teacher. So in 2000, the, the 5th of February 2021, I resigned. And that was due to, to COVID-19 mm -hmm. and to all the pressure the, the school uh, leaders were putting on me to submit myself and to obey the rules that I refused. And is so, that Can I ask, is that something that you were normally hesitant around, like uh, getting vaccinated, having medical procedures? Is that something that you had, um, like that you usually avoid? Before COVID? Yeah. Before COVID? No, no. Before COVID, I was uh, somebody who was like, uh, I mean, vaccination for me was very, was something that is very good for me. Uh, medical procedure, I mean, I was not having any problem with that. And even when COVID started, I was not opposing vaccination. I was opposing COVID vaccination. But it is during the process of protesting and reading about uh, things concerning COVID that I really became an anti-vax. Today, I'm really one because, but at that time, I was not an anti-vax. For me, it was just like, there is no pandemic. There is no need of putting all those rules. So there is, I will not take the vaccine, even though I was a pro-vax, but for me, the COVID vax was useless. So, and for a long time, I was not even an anti-vax, even though I was doing protests. It was that for me, the COVID vax was useless one. Mm -hmm. It was not, uh, and then also you could see when you went to the website of Pfizer, that uh, they were really saying that uh, it has received an emergency authorization and it has not uh, received an uh, approbation something like that that does not been approved mm -hmm. but the the reason for why i resigned at that time was not linked with the vaccine directly because they have never uh, mandated the vaccine in college on the brothers they never mandated no mm -hmm. for me things started earlier because uh, on the 13th of march 2020 um they locked us down The prime minister made a speech explaining us that the danger there is a dangerous virus and we have to protect ourselves. I believed him. I, I believed him. I took him seriously. 
And for me, uh, it was serious that we're supposed to protect ourselves. So for me, I was in that trend on the 13th of March. I was not somebody who was opposed. Uh, what happened is that uh, I've been busy working, having classes, preparing exams and all those things. And suddenly, suddenly, they tell us, they told us that we have to go back to, how, to the house for two weeks and we will wait what will happen. And uh, so I was having a lot of time. And not only that, they were encouraging us not to see anybody. So I was just alone like that in the house, having a lot of time and having my salary, having everything. So what uh, this, the thing I started to do is that I went to YouTube, Facebook, Google, everywhere, and I was typing COVID-19, trying to know a bit more about what is going on. Mm -hmm. So that is where I discovered a French doctor. His name is Didier Raoult. I don't know if you've heard about him. No. Didier, Didier Raoult has been, uh, I mean, he, he has been one of the leading medical doctors speaking about hydroxychloroquine. Even mm -hmm. Donald Trump spoke a bit about him. He was the director, because now he has stepped from that position, but he was the director of EHU, Institut Hospitalier Universitaire de Marseille en France. He's one of the top uh, center in the world. So when the COVID started, he, in February, he started uh, testing people and giving them hydroxychloroquine. So he started saying that hydroxychloroquine cure people is very good, so we don't need to be afraid. But for me, I was not knowing him. I discovered him in the, let's say after the 13th of March. So that first week after the, from the 13th to the 20th of March, that is why I discovered him. I was having a lot of time doing research everywhere. And I saw that he was a serious professor in, medic, in, 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 in medicine. But what wake me up and show me that there is something wrong is because when I, I saw Didier Wood and I saw that he was a serious medical doctor, and not only that, that he was saying that we, we, with hydroxychloroquine, everybody, everything is, uh, is good. We have to stop being afraid. But I was surprised that since February, all the journalists and all the media in France were bashing him, were saying that he's a bad guy, he's a, all those things. So I said that there is a problem here. How can somebody who is a serious scientist, a renowned one, speak about something concerning his field? They don't give him the uh, attention. They, just, they are just uh, saying, saying every bad things concerning him. Things like he's a, a misogynist, is uh, speaking harsh to children, it, things like that, that does not even concern. So at that time, I, I stayed, I was asleep for about a week. So when I discovered it, I started uh, listening to the, Fed, the press conference with different eyes. So mm -hmm. I realized the contradiction in the measure. I could realize that is something that is, was very, very, um, um, striking when they were speaking they were saying that it is a novel virus we don't know many things about it but when you don't know something very well it is normally accompanied with humility and with uh, because you don't know something very well you don't have a a sense of authority but the surprising things it was that in one part you have people who say that we don't it is a novel virus we are learning things every day and uh, we are building the plane 
while the plane is flying. That was one of the things they were using. But at the same time, they were speaking with such authority and, and they were threatening people with the measure. You have to stay alone. You don't have to see your parent. You don't have to see your friend. You have, and that was, and they were even saying that the normal life will come only with the vaccine. Those mm -hmm. two things were a big contradiction. And not only that, you could see how things were going on. So I started reading many other things. That is why when everything was really clear for me, that That's it was a really good point. I actually haven't heard of it that way. That they that they kept on saying how this was changing. The science, of course, would change and evolve, and we don't really know yet. Take this vaccine; it's perfect. There's no problem. Safe and effective. Yes. And the other narrative was like when people questioned why was this push so quickly, and then to justify it, people would say, "Well." You know, all the scientists just got together and worked harder than ever, and science is good and it's quick now. Okay, well, why didn't that same science work on early treatment? Why yes. is it three <laughs> years later and there's not one good early treatment? And then anyone that talked about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, which is what red pills me every time because I had a cardiologist prescribe ivermectin, erythromycin, and a whole bunch of um, early treatment protocols that worked, by the way, everyone. Yes. Um, those people were slandered as yeah, misogynists, racist, kooks, whatever it was for trying to treat people with safe medicines that have existed already for decades successfully. And what you say is right. The science was very, uh, work in a speedy way just to prepare a vaccine, but not for a cure. That was, uh, that was really that, uh, yes, it's a big contradiction. And not only that, the, the, the speed science was full of contradiction because don't wear a mask, you don't need it. You are obliged to wear a mask and they put the fine, that is the science. Things like the paper of Niels Ferguson, the, 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 the British mathematician, I mean, he's an epidemiologist, who said that if, and it is the one who, I think the prime minister of England at that time was, uh, uh, I, I mean, his name is, 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 is has left, but the prime minister of uh, Boris Johnson, his first approach was, to leave the virus go to the population. That was the first approach he was thinking about. Because mm -hmm. at that time, from the news that was coming from China, they were saying that it is a virus that is dangerous for whole and sick people, and that 80% of the population does not have a problem. So uh, Boris Johnson decided that he will leave the virus go all around because many people will not suffer from it and people will get herd immunity. But that, that mathematician, uh, Niels Ferguson, wrote a paper. And in that paper, he said that if they don't lock down, the, it, it, uh, England would have a half of million of deaths. And he said that uh, uh, Sweden, in French, I think Sweden, I, because I, Sweden will have 100,000 million by the 1st of May. And he made many, many predictions concerning Japan, South Korea, and America. That, and he is the one who pushed the people. I read a newspaper where they were calling Ferguson the apostle of lockdown. I mean, because he's the one who pushed it. But what happened is that on the 1st of May, Sweden did a lockdown. And 
he, in his mathematical prediction, he said that it will be 100,000, but Sweden were having on the 1st of May less than 10,000 people. Because if the, the, you, you take a country who lock down and you don't see the number of dead he has predicted, he will have said that it is because they locked down. So the good example was the country that did the lockdown and we could see, and there were many, Japan, Sweden, and I think South Korea, if I don't mistake, or another one, that didn't follow his rule. And the number of dead was very, very far from it. And there are many, many other things that will happen, like in the middle of the summer in July, there is the Lancet Gate. There is a paper that came out in the Lancet, uh, a very famous medical journal, that uh, say that hydroxychloroquine does not work. That is the, the, that the paper came. And when that paper came, the Wu took a decision saying that, okay, we stop anything concerning hydroxychloroquine. And in France, Olivier Vera, who was the Minister of Health, took a decision telling to all medical doctors in France that they are forbidden to use hydroxychloroquine. And that came from the Lancet, the, 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 the paper they wrote in the Lancet. But what happened is that some days later, many medical doctors, and among them Didier Raoult and many others, they realized that that paper was wrong. Why? Because to say that hydroxychloroquine does not work, they took many, um, um, many information concerning hospitals all around the world. But what they realized is that in France, the, the data, from France in that paper, were having some information that are impossible. Like in France, they refuse to take information about race. So when there are medical data in France, you, you are unable to know how many black, white, Chinese, and all those things. But in that paper, those information were there. So that show up that there is a problem. And not only that, in Australia, the number of, of uh, COVID dead that were in, the, in that paper was above the number of COVID dead actually in Australia. Finally, the people that wrote the paper, they retracted and the Lancet even asked an excuse. So they were trying all those things to show that uh, COVID uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine does not work and to push their agenda. But those are among many things that were just confirming me that I was right in my position. But personally, what happened to me is that I started going to protest in Quebec, in uh, Montreal. I started going to protest and I was still a math teacher in College of the Rebirth. And when I was going to protest, I was taking pictures of me, the protest and some video, and I was posting them on my Facebook. I was uh, publishing video of uh, some medical doctor in French or in English on some scientific paper on my Facebook, saying that everything is wrong. I was commenting all the, the press conference of the prime minister and I was really against. And in my Facebook, I was having friends that were against me, but not only that, I was having colleagues of Jean de Brebeuf that were my friends. So um, that is during the summer, we were having a lot of protests here in Montreal. Um, the first protests were like maybe, I mean, the first protest I've been it have been was we were just 70 people, seven, yes, yeah, 70 people. There have been protests of 300, but in the in September, 
we had a protest of more than 70,000 people in Montreal. Yeah, we, we had so. And can uh, I ask, as a newish Canadian citizen who just came to a very democratic country, in the beginning, was there ever thought in your mind that this this could be a dangerous thing to do to go to a protest in Canada? Uh, no, no. I mean, for me, uh, somebody who has been in Cameroon, we have we always know that country like Canada, France, United States, England, Germany, those are countries where there is a, a, a democracy. Uh, yes, and when we have problem and sometimes we are battling, we sometimes hope that uh, if people in the country like France, uh, Canada, they know about this, the things that, and if they speak it out, it can frighten uh, the leaders in the country so that they can change their mind. So mm -hmm. those have been, we consider Canada, United States, all those countries like sanctuary of freedom. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I came here, and for me, it was obvious that the sanctuary of freedom has become uh, the century of oppression. For me, I knew that there was no more something to wait apart of standing. Do you mm. understand? Because from where we could hope that help would come when uh, African country, for example, will be in danger. If that place is no more a place where freedom is a safety, is is uh, is in rest. So that for me, it was clear, but. I was also realizing the whole picture, the whole picture of what was going on. I knew that there is a new world order they want to implement in the world. There is. And yes, and it is not a, uh, in French, we say théorie du complot. It is not, a, I don't know how they say it in English. I mean, because they, they say that uh, we are just, there are, in French, we call it complotist. I mean, people that just make up stories and try uh, strange stories. Right. Well, and I don't know if you saw, I think it was yesterday, I, I posted, uh, like people have been saying that it's a made, the Great Reset is a made up story. Yes. Yet BBC has this article now and they're just really brazen with, here's all the reasons why the Great Reset will create a new softer inclusive form of capitalism it's right there and people just see that and they hear the word inclusive and oh right capitalism is bad we want communism now <laughs> but it's it's right in your face now i mean it's always been in your face but when you have cbc now starting to spin propaganda to show us how great the great reset will be we're in scary times yet people still point fingers and say that um you're making up stories <laughs> yes but you have to I, I was a bit prepared before because uh, for me when i read the story about kennedy and i uh, uh, saw some movies and uh, documentary about that for me it was obvious that the official story about kennedy death was wrong when i saw the 11th of september uh, 2001 9-11 when I clearly read about things and saw a movie concerning it, for me, it was obvious that the official story was wrong. 
And uh, there are many other things that for me, it was obvious. I mean, I don't know if people believe on moon landing, but for me, I think that it clearly in a scientific point of view, there are many things that when you ask clear question, you could see that, uh, I mean, there are many, many things that does not add up to, to, for it. And yeah. uh, also things like evolution, for me, I, I don't I don't believe about it because it, there are many many so that one at least I was already knowing that there are many things that are officially said that are wrong but that even though I was knowing that I in the beginning I believe in covid in the in when I say I believe up till now for me I still believe that there is a sickness mm -hmm. going around that uh, does not have any problem for more than today. I think that it is even more than 90% of people does not have any problem. But mm -hmm. some people that are old and have some uh, serious health problem, it can be dangerous for them. And that is not only for COVID, even the flu. The flu can be very dangerous for some people that have some specific health problem. But that does, uh, yes, because people die of flu. But it, yeah. it, has, it has never been uh, something that has been used to scare the whole population, to separate children from their grandparents, to separate uh, uh, friends and to destroy the economy and to do all that. And the New World Order is not an invention. It, is, it was said by uh, George Bush, the father. He's the yeah. one who spoke about a New World Order. And not only that, a French president, Nicolas Sarkozy, there is a video of him in internet, who is saying that we will all go to the new world order and no one will stop us. He said it. And uh, I mean, there are many, many things. And so for me, it was clear that locking us down for a flu, for something that is just like a flu mm -hmm. and uh, having a lot of lies and contradiction that was not that do, does not add up in a scientific way. It was just something used to bring us into a great reset. And it was, and there are two books written by Klaus Schwab, uh, the, the, the director of the World Economic Forum. The first one is The Great Reset. He wrote a book, The Great Reset. And in the book, because I read the book in, in, in page 12, and you have to notice that the book was written came out on July 2020. And the COVID started in uh, 2000, let's say December 2029, but uh, 2019. But the lockdown and uh, all what happened, it was in March. So the WHO said that the COVID was a pandemic on the 11th of March, 2020. What I want to say is that this is Klaus Schwab, who is not a medical doctor, who does not know anything in the medical field, who is bringing out a book in July 2020, meaning that April, May, June, July, just four months after the COVID started. And what does it write on page 12 of his book? He said that many people ask themselves, when all this lockdown, all those things will end, and when are we going to come back to our normal life? In page 12, Klaus Schwab answered and he said, never. The normal life will never come back. He wrote it in his book. He's not the only one. There is another one, Jacques Attali. Jacques Attali is a dangerous Frenchman 
He's a very famous in France. He's one of the people who created the, the euro. He's one of the people who created it. He's a very influential man, Jacques Attali. Jacques Attali, in a video, during that time, he had an interview with a journalist. He was in his house, and he said that people must forget about the normal life. He will not come back again. That mm. is what he said. And he was not the only one. So for me, it was clear that it was not only a protest on looking for simple freedom. It was something that was general. Because many people ask me why I've not gone back to Cameroon, because in Cameroon, uh, and maybe if we have time, I will come back a bit on that point. Because in Cameroon, things were not like here. People were continuing their normal life. There, there was lockdown in Cameroon for about two weeks, but life became normal. I will just explain why. But mm -hmm. I told the people that for me, this is a war against the human beings. There is yeah. a small elite that want to destroy. And they concentrated themselves in democratic and rich country because they know that if they succeed to submit all those countries, the rest of the world will follow. So for me, running away and going to Cameroon, it was just like, you know that there is a flaw that is coming and that will destroy the whole world. And you run in a place where the flood will come maybe two months later. It does not change anything because the difference between you who run away in that place and the people who remain is that you will die two months after. So there is not really the best things even for the people of Cameroon, for me, is to stay and fight with the people because this is the front, the front line where things are, are, are going. Well, here's so, a question for you. Maybe you'll have some perspective on this. Why do you think they're targeting all the Western nations? And why did countries like Africa not really play along with the extended lockdowns, the mandates? Like, we, we know that they're fine, but what do you think was the reason why they just disengaged and didn't participate in it? But I've, the first thing is that many people in Africa in the beginning, they believe about the COVID and they were afraid also. But the reality of life bring them back. Uh, why? Because if I take the specific case of Canada, in Canada, they told people to stay in their house and they were giving people money. And uh, I know, for example, because I met somebody in a protest that that guy was against the measure, so he was in our side. But what he told me, because we were speaking about the people that obey the government that are ready to do everything, he told me that he has a friend, and that friend told him that uh, before COVID, she was making less than $2,000 per month. But now with COVID, she have $2,000 from the government. And mm -hmm. when she she she, she walked in, in in black, in the dark, I mean the yes, and she have now close to four thousand dollars per month. <laughs> so for for her, that is all what she's looking. She's yeah. seen that everything is perfect for them. She's for her, she's making more than the double of what she has been doing. So that is why. So that money the government was giving to the people, and uh, there was internet, people would speak. Uh, via Zoom things and many things where people were putting people in such a situation that they could easily endure what was going on. And mm -hmm. sometimes before 
Justin Trudeau even uh, uh, legalized, uh, I think, cannabis, something like that. And uh, while they were closing shop, they were not closing. Uh, in, in Quebec, we call it La Sac, Société des Alcools du Québec, where they, they sell alcohol. Everywhere was locked down, but people could buy that. So people were in such a situation that they were having things to help them. While in Africa, in Cameroon, for example, many people does not even have a, a account bancaire and a account bank and yep. a bank account. That is how they say it. Okay. You're so right. It's that, well, one, the, the we travel quite a bit and people are much more rooted in reality because they're, yeah, they're, they're not just on the internet all the day. They're, they're going to work and feeding their families and being present with their kids. They're not being taken care of by the government. They're, they're yes. self-responsible where Westerners, mainly on the left, are getting more and more comfortable with the idea of being taken care of. Um, where in other countries, you you have to survive on your own. And I think that's what they saw. No one's coming to save us. Okay, we got to figure out how to, I gotta, I still got to feed my family. I got to go Exactly. To I mean, many people does not have a, a, a bank account. Many people does not even have internet in their house. It, it's not like here because in Cameroon, many people do. Many people are poor. Some are in village. Even those that are in town, they does not. So when the government gave, that said that everybody locked down. <laughs> they said it, no. <laughs> it, no it, it, it worked for a week. But yeah. imagine that somebody is in his house with his wife and he has five, six kids. He have to feed them. So yeah. when they, they tell you lockdown, it works for one week. But after a week, uh, if somebody is not rich, he needs to eat. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that the children are hungry and they are angry. The wife is hungry and she is angry and the man himself is hungry. So what is happening is that if you stay in the house, you will surely die. But if you go out, you can have a chance to survive. So a bit by bit, life became normal. And after two, three weeks, life became normal in Cameroon. People were going. The only thing that there was that in the in government building. They will say that you have to wear masks, things like that. But life became normal and people realized that there is nothing. So many people in Cameroon were just saying that COVID is the sickness of white people because they were hearing about how many people are dying in Western country. And, and there they were living normally uh, and there is nothing that is happening. That's so right. And and people uh, are less likely to fall for propagandist ideas because they're very much, again, rooted in reality, but focused on real life problems, paying the bills, feeding the family, going to work, like real life stuff. And where many people, people does not have TV because TV is yeah. there to program ourselves. But people in the West, if they are if they're living at a good like quality of life, they have all their basic needs met, then like human beings like to have problems. So now you have the propaganda being fed about certain um, societal issues or like, like questioning gender, for example, all of these things. People that are worried about real life problems and basic needs problems aren't even thinking about the things that the white people in the West are thinking about. Like they are immune from most of it. Um, and it, it looks like a better way to live right now. I'll tell you what. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So 
um, in the in September, school started again, the fall session. Mm -hmm. I was called. Uh, we did all all almost every teaching online, mm -hmm. and um, because when the the law cost down in March, it was the winter session. So we finished the session online and we did the summer session online. But when we started the fall session, there have been serious problems because we could not really do serious exams. For example, in maths, what we were doing is that we were preparing an exam for about, uh, if you have a class of 30 students, we try to make uh, four or five different exam. I mean, you build up an exam, you change some questions so that you, you try to, to treat students by have, having different versions. That way, why we trying. But what was happening is that many of the students were in their room mm -hmm. uh, doing the exams. We were asking them to put on the video so that we can watch them. But I mean, for example, me, I'm seeing you. I'm just seeing what you decide me to see. <laughs> you, you, you are yeah. seeing what I'm deciding to see. Don't you, know don't know if, sure. you don't know if there is something close to me doing my exam for me. Or even worse, that somebody can even be in his house, do the exam and send me the picture. You understand? So, I mean, we were, we did, we, I mean, the people of, uh, of Jean de Brebeuf, they succeeded to have two exam sessions physically in school. Two exam sessions in school physically. So there was a midterm exams where we were respecting COVID rules, absolute COVID rules, just like, before going to, into the exam room, students were waiting into a small room mm -hmm. where they were tied. So we, 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 the teacher, so I go, I collect the students, I bring them to the main room. Now in the road, I ask them to be one, two, met, two, two meters apart. While in the room where I go to take them, they were tied together. Before entering the room, you take, you cut the, the paper, you put the, uh, the that's, I mean, the, 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 how the spray to clean oh, up. Yeah. Yes. So I make them to enter one after the other. Why the same student were, I mean, so we are having two sessions. One is the mid one. The other one was in December. But what happened is that all in, for the classes, it was online. But in the month of September, because at that time, I was having three classes during that session, three groups, three different groups. One of the group we were having, I think, four hours, and two hours was in physically. Two hours was online, but it stayed only for September, because in October in Quebec we started what we call Defi Vendwichu, twenty-eight days challenge to break the curve of COVID, because they said that in that time the COVID. Was, so they said that for twenty-eight days. Let everybody stay in his house. So all the on the, phys the physical classes were closed, but those twenty eight days they stayed for hundred of hundred of days. They stayed for a lot of until May two thousand and twenty one. Wow! But I want to precise two things: the mask mandate started in Quebec on the eighteenth of July two thousand and twenty. That is where the mask mandate started, and the fine was $1,500 if you don't wear a mask. Wow. Yes. And for a shop, if somebody is in the shop without a mask, and if the guy owning the shop does not uh, 
take care of that, the shop will have $6,000 of fine. But for somebody in person, it was $1,000. For me, I collected those fines. And today, I have more than $98,000 of fine. So my only regret is that I didn't reach $100,000 because I would have been happy. But what I want to say is that I will never pay them, never. I'm waiting even that day because the, normally since the 13th of May, they are supposed to arrest me because they have condemned me for $69,000 of fine. And they say that uh, I have to pay. If I don't have to pay, I can have 817 hours of work, community work. I refuse. And I say that if not, they would arrest me. And since the 13th of May, they are supposed to arrest me. And now I'm waiting. I say that I will never, never, never help them to close the, the crime. So I want them to come and arrest me because that will show that COVID is not finished. If they can arrest somebody today because he has not done it. If they so, come in right now, this is going to be a very exciting podcast. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We will see it. We will see it in direct. Okay. Yes. So what happened is that uh, I took a picture of myself in the end of September in the metro without a mask. I was, uh, because in the month of May, uh, of September, we could, I was going to teach two hours in, in school. So one day I was going and in the metro, you were obliged to wear a mask. So I didn't wear the mask. I took a picture and I posted it on my Facebook. I said that civil disobedience has become a moral duty. We have stopped obeying it. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that in the beginning of September, that picture, I put it on the end of September. But in the beginning of September, there was the, the woman that was the head of the math department of Collège Jean de Brebeuf. She called me one day in the office and she told me that since I am a teacher in Collège Jean de Brebeuf, Collège Jean de Brebeuf is the best CGEP in, uh, in, uh, in Quebec. Mm -hmm. She told me that if, uh, since I am a math teacher there, can I put my Facebook private? Because if a journalist, for example, in a protest, see me and realize that I'm a teacher, they don't want Brebeuf to be linked to that. Mm -hmm. So I took it uh, calmly without any problem. I said that I have thousands of friends in my Facebook. If I can succeed to convince them, it was all right. I accepted that. So I put my Facebook private. That was all right. It's reasonable. Yes. In the end of September, I put my Facebook, uh, that the picture of me without a mask. And then in the end of October, I was called. That was not with the, the head of department. They went into a high level. He was now the, the director of human resources. So she called me into a meeting. It was a, a team's meeting. We were three of us, me, her, and the, the, the president of the union of teachers. Now, in that Zoom meeting, because they called me, because even though I made my Facebook private, I continue to do exactly what I was doing. And not only that, we were having a forum of math teacher. Even in that forum, sometimes because people were posting things concerning their private life, sometimes to share with colleagues. So for me, I was also putting things even in that forum concerning COVID, showing that it was, uh, yes. So um, I was now called by the director of human resources. So it means that he's just one step above the director. 
And uh, she called me, we were three in that meeting, we were in the Zoom. And what she did is that she took her phone, she showed me the phone, and it was my picture. And she told me, do you recognize this picture? I said that, yes, I'm the one. So she took the picture of me without the mask in the bedroom. And she was like, she was having an angry face just to threaten me. She told me that, okay, now what you are going to do, first, you are going to remove that picture. Second, you are going to obey all the COVID rule. Third, you are going to, you, you must not speak against the government again. Do you understand? Okay. When she said that, I told, I wanted her to, I wanted that she should be, it should be very clear. I told her that I prefer to die of hunger than to go against my conscience. I said that because she threatened me. She didn't say that she, they will send me out of job. No, no. But I started to say that if she think that she will hold me by the work and the salary, I started to tell her clearly that I prefer to die of hunger than to, to have a good life while I know that I'm doing wrong things and I'm going against my conscience. No way. Mm -hmm. So when she realized it, she backed up. And uh, that meeting didn't end for long. And uh, she went away. The president of the unions tried to calm me down. So everything become normal. We continue life to become normal. But what happened next is that in December, we had exam in school. And uh, there is a teacher who was my Facebook friend, who was seeing all what I was doing in the Facebook and who is for all what the government is saying. So we were having exams, and in each class, there is a teacher that is taking, uh, controlling the exams. But there is what with the, there is a teacher that who control a corridor. I mean, you are like in charge of many classes, but you, you don't have the right to enter into the class, but you are just outside watching, outside. Mm -hmm. So me, on that day, I was outside watching. And it can happen that maybe a teacher want to go to the toilet, he can ask you to replace him just for that time, things like that. You are just so while I was walking around, I was having the mask on my chin, just like that on the chin. So the student were there and he was standing on the door, making the student to, to enter. He was in the uh, so when he saw me in front of the student, he pointed me the finger. I said, The mask is on the nose. Put it on the nose. So he spoke to me like that. So, I mean, there were students and I didn't want to create a, a situation. I put the mask on the nose, I crossed and I put down the mask just because I didn't, because students were there. Just, yeah. So, but he knew that I would put down the mask. So yeah. I was going and coming. When I was coming back, he was still on the door and waiting for me. And he said, the mask on the nose. I told him that take care of your class. I'm taking care of the corridor. It's good like that. So he came with his phone, trying to take the picture of me without the, so I just, because I was, um, he was a bit shorter than me. So I, I put my hand like that so that, uh, but he was trying, trying. When I said that he was really trying to take the picture, what I did is that I turned in front of him. So the mask was on the chin. I removed the whole mask. And I tell him that don't take a picture, take a video of mm -hmm. me without a mask. And uh, 
he was really angry. I said, no, no, don't go. And he, there was another teacher in the door said that, do you see Francois does not wear the mask? I told him that you don't need a witness. You mm -hmm. have a video and I would not say that you are lying. I would say that that video is authentic. So some days later, I was called again by the director of human resources and with the president of the union concerning that case. And on that day, they, I said that, yes, I was having the mask on my chin because those are useless rule. I, those are, I mean, finally, they, they gave me um, three days of suspension without salary. And everything stopped. So I died three days. That was in December. So, and the life became normal again. So, but what became worse was that in Quebec, they implemented a curfew. Mm -hmm. So we had a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. So the first day of the curfew, if I don't mistake, it was on the 9th of January. I think it was a Saturday, if I don't mistake, 2021. So there was a protest that was organized so that we can challenge the curfew. So we went in the protest, but we were not too many. We were about 20 people that were protesting. But on that day, there were many journalists, there were many policemen. So since we were just 20, the, the camera was filming us. So because on Sunday and on Monday and some days later, I was having many of my friends that were taking pictures of their TV with me and sending me. So it was not only me, it's because since we were just 20 people, I mean, the uh, the very few protesters we were we were appearing in in different uh, news and there is a journalist who asked me question not only to me asked me he asked it to many protesters and I gave him an answer he asked me do you, are you not afraid of the fine I said that I am I am more afraid of lies and in French we say penser unique thinking one way mm -hmm. I'm more afraid of that than uh, than than I am afraid of fine mm -hmm. so. That one came on the news. So I came in many news at the same times. So on Monday, while we were preparing for school start for the uh, winter session 2021, I was called again by the director of human resources with the president of the union. They suspended me for two weeks. And they said that now I'm no more only in social media, I've gone now to uh, public mainstream media. So. During the suspension, there were many meetings where they were asking me to back up all those things. They even made me to meet a biology teacher that is famous in our school, that he should explain me things about COVID. <laughs> but that biology teacher, I mean, he ran away from the, the meeting. We were three, me, the biology teacher, and the president of the union. So, and, and real way when you had the conversation with them? Um, I've not heard what you said. Oh, they, they ran away, the biologist, when you had the conversation? Yes, exactly. Because when we started, because we started the meeting, when we started the meeting, I prepared nine points to mm -hmm. explain him why I don't believe that. Because people have to know, I think that there is a sickness COVID, but I, I don't think that we have to do all that for just something that is like flu. Mm -hmm. So I, but I gave him nine points to tell him why all what the government is doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. 
But we didn't even finish the first point because my first point was Ferguson article concerning the lockdown. But I mean, we had a argument. He was completely destroyed. He ran away. He ran away. I mean, he left the meeting because he was short of argument. He realized that he was just repeating what the media was. But when we start analyzing point, he was unable. And I was bringing in fact and all those things. That's so, why they call now. That's why the government name calls. That's why they just like to throw out conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxer, Nazi, whatever the name is, because they have zero argument, none. What I always say is that when they call you a conspiracy theorist, it means that you are in a good way. I mean, when they start giving that name to somebody, you have to know that you are following the good path. You have, you have to be sure of that. Yes, yes. yes. Because the media is controlled by the same group, the small elites that want to establish everything. So what they, they give you that name, it means that you are going into the good direction. I posted even there. It is because when you start thinking by yourself and analyzing every situation. Yep, that's right. So, so what came finally after the two weeks, I received my salary and I was surprised. I told them that you suspended me. How do I have my salary? If you suspend me, I give you my salary. It's very good. You're encouraging me even. So they took back the salary, but they gave me back my classes. Okay. And uh, I taught again for about a week. And uh, what happened is that uh, when I was among the classes, because at that time I was having two classes, one class was... Uh, differential calculus another one was statistics and in the statistics classes when i was giving examples we were going to ENSPQ, which is national institute of uh, public health something like that here in quebec so i was going to take example there with students and, and i was asking them questions for example i take the number of the uh, proportions in the population all those things and i was we were commenting that is where i was taking my example but what happened is that after uh, a week about taking back my classes, the director of human resource called me the one day. She said that my Facebook is not private. I told her that, no, my Facebook is private. She said that she can see my Facebook. She's, she was not, she's not my Facebook friend, but she can see my Facebook. But normally when your Facebook is private, uh, somebody who is not your friend cannot see. I told her that, no, my Facebook is private. It's only that there are some posts that I've been doing, some video I've been posting, and some of my friends were saying that they cannot share. So when I post something and they, 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 they want to share, uh, because when your Facebook is private. So what I was doing is that when my friend were writing me, Francois, we cannot share, I was going to that post and I was making that post public. Mm -hmm. So I told her that my Facebook is private, but there are some things that I public. She told me that, no, you have to do everything uh, private. I said that, no, I've already made a lot of deal. Mm -hmm. Those posts that are public will remain public. My Facebook is in general private. So uh, she realized that uh, she called another meeting, but on that meeting, it was on the 5th of February. She was not the one. Now that was the director of Rebirth. So when I entered with the Zoom meeting, we were just two of us. And he told me to close my Facebook. I told him that, no, no way. 
it's impossible. I will not close my Facebook. We had, he said that, no, he don't want to argue because he realized that he does not have any argument. I told him that I'm really disappointed because uh, they are afraid of their work, of their job. And that is, I didn't want them to manufacture everything because my, my uh, professional record and teaching record, everything was perfect, like my academic one. So I wrote them a, a, a letter of uh, resignation and I gave them on that day. And I decided that, uh, okay, I will, I'm going now without any restriction. But um, the curfew was still implemented in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Before that, that, I think on the 26th of January, I went into a police station maybe at 10 p.m. because the curfew started at 8 p.m. So because normally in some quarters you could walk even during the curfew, but you, you don't see the police just because the police is not everywhere. But on that day, to be sure that I would meet the police, I went into the police station. I made a Facebook Live. So I went into the police station to tell them that I am not obeying the curfew. I want them to arrest me. I'm not obeying. But on that day, it was a, a big center of police. I didn't see anybody. I went back. And I went why, again. Why did you make that live? I made that live because I, want, I wanted that people should come the next time. There should be many people. Because my dream was that we should be 10,000 outside peacefully, because that is important. Because once you are peaceful protesting, they don't have the 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 moral authority to do anything but when people are not doing peaceful protests the policemen have the moral authority in front of the population to, to do everything so um i, I no i did many live i mean it, on the 26th of january that was even my first live facebook but from that i did a lot of live and there have been the uh, striking my Facebook, suspending. Actually, even I'm suspending from, suspended from Facebook. So now I'm mostly using uh, Twitter and Telegram. Mm -hmm. but, but I have a Facebook, even though a lot of time I cannot use it. Yes. So on the 14th of February, I did a second live. I went in the police station and I chose that day because it was the day of love. Mm. And I went into the police station and that day I met the policeman. In the beginning, the policeman thought that I was mad because I told him that I'm coming here. I don't want to obey curfew. I want you to put me in prison. But we were speaking, there was a glass and we were speaking to an interphone, but we were seeing each other. He told me that, uh, are you right in your brain? I said that I'm not the one who has mental problem. I told him that the person who is having mental problem is the prime minister of Quebec and all the people who obey those absolute rule yes so finally he told me that he called people because he was like alone in that post he called other people that were going around the police came and when i met the police and i, I explained them they were surprised i told them that no i have come because i don't want to obey covid and i want you to know that i don't want to obey the curfew so now that you know that i'm not obeying the curfew arrest me and they said that, no, we don't want to arrest you. We are going to give you a fine. I told them that at that time, I was having like five fines already. I told them that I'm, of, I'm already having a lot of fines. At that time, it was five of six. So you know, if you, even if you give me, I will do it again. So I think that the best thing is to arrest me. 
So finally, what they did is that they, they said that, no, they give me a fine. I told them that my, my loved one, his name is Freedom. And actually, she has been, she is in prison. And I want you to arrest me and put me in jail with, with Freedom because Freedom is in prison now. So I just chose that. So finally, they gave me a fine and they tell me, go away. I told them that even if I'm going, I'm not obeying, just go away. So that is what happened. So from that time, many people started coming with me. The second time we went into a police, another one, another police, we were like maybe 20 people. We went into a police station. We went, we said that arrest us, put us in jail. So they were just giving us fine, go away. And we made about six police stations in Montreal going in the curfew, telling them that, okay, this is us. We don't know. And we were going after the curfew, during the, the time the curfew was there. And um, that was done in Montreal. Quebec is the Montreal, but, uh, the national capital, Quebec City. Mm -hmm. There were no curfew protests there. So one day, since we made all the important police station of Montreal, I decided that now we have to go to the head of police. So the Ministry of Security, and uh, it was in Quebec. So I called some people. Finally, there were three people that were willing. So we went four of us on my car. We drove to Quebec. And we went in front of the Ministry of Public Security. And we said that you are not respecting the curfew. And finally, on that day, uh, no policemen were coming. We were just disappointed. And we decided that we went into a big police station in Quebec. And they came and they said that, okay, guys, go back to your house. We said that, no, we are not going back. So they arrested us. That was my first arrest. And uh, they arrested us. Maybe it was nine or 10. And all that one, I was doing live broadcasting on Facebook. All those things you were live broadcasting. And uh, they, they released us at 5 a.m. because the, the, the curfew was from 8 to 5. So every week we were doing it. We were having one curfew challenge and many people were coming in Montreal. Another curfew in Quebec in front of the, the Ministry of Public Security. And every time in Quebec, but many people were not willing to go to prison so there were generally like five six people that were ready because my dream was that if you are 300 500 1000 people that are ready to go to prison they will be ashamed so that was the goal to to beat them peacefully mm -hmm. because and i think that peaceful disobedience works because what happened is that people are afraid yeah. And when you are afraid, you look at the window and you see if there are people who disobey. And if there are not enough, you stay. But if there are enough, you go. But for, uh, for the people to be enough, there must be one person who starts. So my dream was always that even if it is only 500 people that go in front of a police station, say that we don't respect the curfew and they are peaceful they will be unable to do anything, even to give fine, because to do fine, it was taking them about 30 minutes. So it was something that was not easy. If you are 500, 1,000, you will just destroy that, uh, that law like that by refusing to obey. Mm -hmm. So that was every week I was going to a, a, a police uh, cell in, in, in Quebec, but we continue to challenge the curfew and all those things. And in, uh, 
What a thing to show people, you know, first, look, I'm just not wearing a mask. So getting over just the social shame is where most people stop. Some people genuinely believed in the mask, but most people didn't and just wore it because they were too scared of what other people would think. Yes. So showing them, look, not, nothing really happened. Sure, this person yelled at me. So, and then the next thing was the fine. Okay, just give me the fine. I just won't pay it. And I recently heard Tamara Leet say this too about going to prison. She just said, it's it's time for everyone to stop being afraid. Yes. Even the worst possible consequence. She did go to prison. Well, now she's out and she's fine. Yes, there are consequences tied to that, but it's people are treating this like life or death. She didn't die. She is safe. You're out of prison. And the more of us that I don't know if I'm I'm willing to face prison, maybe after this podcast. <laughs> but what is important is that they, are, they don't have any strength. Their strength is based only on our obedience, on, on, our, on, uh, on the fact that we are afraid. That is yeah. where they are getting all their strength. The idea is that because um, I would say uh, in Quebec, they, they decided that if, to, to protest against masks, you have to wear masks. They put it in September 2020. So people started wearing masks during protests. Me, I was telling people, how can we wear masks while you are protesting against it? I was not wearing masks. But finally, people decided that no. And when we were having protests, sometimes we were three or four people. There is, there are, there is even a protest where there are many protests where I was alone without a mask. Mm. And the police were just coming to me. They arrest me. But a time came where people said that it's finished. Yeah. And when people decided not to wear masks, the police were seeing 10,000 people marching. And they were no more giving fine. Because when, when the people say that it is enough and they, they stop, it mm. works like that. Mm. And when you do a disobedience peacefully and the majority, that is what is happening. Mm -hmm. So from before July 2021, I've never gone to a prison. I was arrested and put in a police cell for a night. The mm -hmm. first time I went into prison, it was in, in the end of July 2021, because we organized in a protest in Joliet. We went into a Canadian tire without masks. We were about 23 people. So they, we entered, they called the police. I was doing all that live broadcasting. All those lives are on my Facebook. So when I, they, they came, they said that to put, they, they, they told the police, said that we have to go out. I told the people that there is no, we will stay peaceful. Everybody, let's go out. You will just wait because the police will go. When the police will go, we will enter again because I've done it many times. The people call the police. The police come say, go out. I go out. When the, the, the police go, I enter again. The person called the police, go out, I go out. Finally, the person is tired. I said, that, okay, the person give me. So there are many shops where, where when I was going, the police were, the, the, no, the people was not even calling the police again. And mm -hmm. there is one protest I didn't, I have not done, but I was planning to do it. It was that we take a street and we, we, we divide ourselves by two or three. We enter into all the shop without the mask. So 10, 20 shops will be obliged to call 911 for the police, the police will, so that you, just to, to show that stop, because it is 
us who is helping the government. The person who is calling the police is not working in the government, but is the one helping the government to implement things. So on that day, they arrested me in that Canadian tile because they realized that there was uh, so, and they gave me a condition not to come back to that Canadian tire again. They arrested me, they put me in the cell, but there, a protest was organized on that night around the police station, they released me. So on the next day, I went back again into that Canadian tire. They arrested me and now they brought me in prison. I spent five days, I think, you know, that prison. So after that, uh, in August, I entered into the press conference of uh, the Minister of Health, where he was announcing the vaccine passport. So that one was really an event because uh, he was live broadcasting, he was having a press, but I succeeded to enter among the journalists. So while it was, it was the time of question, I stood up because the question I wanted to ask him is that he's pushing vaccine, but it's written in the uh, Pfizer that uh, the vaccine is not uh, approved, all those things. But when they, they, they recognized me and it was live broadcast, they stopped the broadcasting, they put me out so they could not hide. The, people realized that there was a problem. So after that, uh, I'm happy of that event because many people really testified that uh, they were full of courage when they saw me doing it. <laughs> but now, the second time I went into, the, into prison, real prison, was in the end of September. Why? Because I, was, I went into court. And to enter into the court, you have to wear the mask. But why was, that, was I supposed to go into court? It is because in March, I entered into a shop without the mask. The police arrested me. They gave me fine and they accused me of police obstruction. Right. What they were calling police obstruction is that I entered into that shop, I bought things and I went out. The people called the police, but when I went out, the police was not still there. So when I was preparing to go, I was in my car, I saw the police car and I came and I told the police that the man you are looking for is me. And the police told me that, okay, uh, we have heard what we have done, but don't do it again. Do you understand? I told them that, no, I will do it. It is my right to shop without the mask. It's not a crime. Okay, when I, I reply like that, they said that, give us your driving license. I gave them my driving license and they went into their car to give me a ticket. But while the two police, they were going to their car to give me a ticket, me, I entered into the shop in front of them. So they came running, they arrested me, they put me on the ground, they handcuffed me. So they gave me the fine and they gave me also an accusation of police obstruction. That was on March, 2021. Now on September, 2021, I was going to court for that accusation. But to enter into the court, you have to wear the mask. So my reasoning was simple. I am here because I have been arrested by the police because I was not wearing the mask. But to enter into the court, I have to wear the mask. If there is a chance for me to explain my case and win, the judge has that capacity to allow me to enter without the mask. But I enter, after some time, I was waiting in front of the courtroom. Now what happened is that the command, the, 
the, the guard told me that you don't have the mask you have to wear. We had a little bit of argument, but finally I went out. So outside, they came and told me that the judge have said that uh, when he will call you, you will wear the mask until the courtroom. In front of, in the courtroom, you can remove. I said that the mask will never touch my face. So some minutes later, they come and say that there is a, a, an arrest mandate. So I was arrested and I spent seven days in prison. So my trial went like a prisoner yeah. for seven days. The only reason I went into prison was I didn't wear the mask into the court. So finally, what happened is that uh, they gave me, uh, the, the prosecutor even told the judge that I've done a lot of seven days into prison is a lot for what I've been accused for. I've been accused for nothing because for me, it was just only proposing that they give me a fine again. But since I've done seven days for him, he was saying that I've done more than what was needed. But the judge was even worse than the prosecutor. So he gave me an approbation saying that for one year, I must not trouble the peace. I must not, uh, uh, I must uh, stay all. But for me, I knew that that was just a way to arrest me again. But that was useless. Because during the time, I organized some protests in schools. I was going in front of schools with documents given to students because they were bringing vaccination in schools. Mm -hmm. So the government in Quebec put a law, said that you must not have a protest 50 meters from a school. And they put it because I was going into school and into hospitals. They were, yes, they were protests in front of hospitals. So, so they, they put that law for that. But if we organize protests in front of hospitals, we continue to do it. So the third time I, was, I went into prison, it was in November 2021, because I went, I, I knew that the prime minister was somewhere and I tried to go there. I, ent I succeeded to enter. I was maybe close to 15 meters to him. I tried to ask him a question. Finally, they arrested me and uh, they gave me a condition that I was not be close to 300 meters from the prime minister. But what I was not knowing at that time that I knew later, because when they give me that condition for me, I didn't accept it. But what I was not knowing is that even if you don't sign, once they give you a paper with condition and they release you, once you take the paper, you have accepted the condition. Mm. So they released me like five days later with that condition. For me, it was I didn't accept, but I was not knowing that taking the paper, it was accepting it. So I went out and on the 16th of January, 2022, the prime minister of Quebec was supposed to go to a Radio Canada for a broadcast to Le Monde en Parle. So we organized a protest around Radio Canada and uh, the police, they arrested me. They said that I've breached my condition of not being in 300 meters. Mm -hmm. So they arrested me on the 16th. On the 17th, they brought me to prison. The 16th, I was just in the police station and they wanted to release me with condition, say that now I have to obey that condition. I have to obey the law La loi sur la santé publique, public law, and they gave me condition and they wanted to release me so that I should wait my uh, court outside. I told them that no way. <laughs> now, now I know 
I know that if, because I cannot go out and be in prison in my house, because yeah. I told them that that is the same thing. So <laughs> I said that I am not going out. And I even told to the judge, one of the judge, that because I was having four different cases in four different cities, all that was for protest. So they arrested me and uh, my court date was, they arrested me on the 16th of January. The first court date was on the 2nd of March. Another one was like in April, another one, yes, there was two dates on March. No, one on, two dates on March, two on April. So now they wanted to give me condition to go and wait in the house for the, I said that no way, nothing. So I, I stay in prison because I said that I prefer to be in a real prison than to go to be prisoner in my house. Because if you release me, the first thing I will do is to go to protest again. Yeah. So finally, I stay in prison for three months and wow. three weeks. I refused and they finally released me without condition. So what you, what you, you have to know is that during that time, there is a... The, my first uh, court was concerning what they call the bridge that I was 300 meters from the prime minister. But me, I denied. I said that I was there before the prime minister. So he was is the one who breached the condition, not me. So finally, they released me. They, no, not they released me because I was, but I won that case on the 2nd of March. I won it. Mm -hmm. I won another case in Shawinigan also. But uh, what happened is that on the 27th of April, I was supposed to have my last court date. It was uh, in Trois-Rivières, but I was in prison from the 16th of January to, to the 25th of April in Bordeaux. That is a prison in Montreal. Mm -hmm. So what they decided is that since my, my court was supposed to take place on the 27th of April in Trois-Rivières, they sent me on the 25th, on Monday, because the 27th was a Wednesday. So they transferred me from Bordeaux, Montreal, to Trois-Rivières. When I went to Trois-Rivières prison, normally when you are, you are in prison, at that time, I was already in prison for about three months and two weeks, a bit less than two weeks. I was already in prison for that. Were you scared in prison? Because nothing has scared you so far. <laughs> prison, prison is a bad place. But for me, it was obvious that the prison in which they want to put us is far worse than that. Mm, but true. for me, it was obvious that there is nothing from... Uh, I, the first time I went out with the condition is because I was not knowing that even if you say that I disagree the condition, once you take the paper, you sign it and you go out, even if you say that you disagree, the condition is there. So that is why for the... I, I said that, no, I'm not signing any paper, no condition. So I was in the prison. Uh, the food is very bad. There are very dangerous people in prison. But many prisoners knew why I was there. And they were even sometimes when I was, because in prison, I was refusing to wear the mask. So <laughs> what was happening is that the people that were coming, they put me the mask themselves. But I was not fighting. When they want to put me a mask, I just stand. I don't oppose any resistance. But when he put the mask, when he, 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 he turned his back, I just removed the mask. So what they were doing is that they were putting me handcuff in the back and they were putting me the mask. And in prison, generally, 
inside the prison, when somebody is handcuffed, generally it means that he's a very dangerous guy. The so that is what. <laughs> so other people left you alone. They thought you were dangerous, but really. No, 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 no. Many people, they knew that I was there, not because I was dangerous, but okay. many prisoners, they were, they were with me. Yep. Yes, awesome. many, many prisoners were with me. So uh, they knew why I was there. They really knew. So um, there is only one guy. He was coming from British Columbia and mm -hmm. he came to Montreal and he, he was in prison. He was not knowing me. There he ended. And uh, so one day when he saw me, he taught me that I was a very dangerous guy. So he came close to me to try to know me a bit, but he realized that I was there because of COVID. He was a bit disappointed, even though, <laughs> even though he respected me because he thought that I was more like, because in prison, they, they, they try to be in gang, in groups. Yeah. So what happened? They brought me from Montreal on the 25th of April to Trois-Rivières on the 27th of April. Mm -hmm. No, no, on the, they, they took me on the 25th of April from Bordeaux, Montreal to Trois-Rivières because I was supposed to go into court on the 27th. So when you enter into prison, they make the, you, you, you are naked, you remove all your dressing, you lift your, I mean, it is a really humiliating process. And then when they finish, but that is normal, they do it to every prisoner. Mm -hmm. Even though for me, there are some things that happened that were peculiar to me, but that one, we don't have time so that I can go into such details. But what happened is that at that time, when I came into Trois-Rivières prison, they wanted to do a COVID test to put me with other prisoners. In, in Bordeaux, I refused all COVID tests, but Bordeaux is a big prison. When you refuse COVID tests, you stay 10 days alone in prison, 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So I was alone in Bordeaux for 16 days alone. The, my only human contact was when the people, where they were coming to give me a meal three times a day wow. for 16 days. And I spent although another 10 days in Bordeaux because there was a, a, a positive COVID in, in, the, in the wing of the prison. So they decided to test us. I refused the test and I went again 10 days in confinement alone, in solitary <laughs> confinement. So what happened is that when they transferred me to Trois-Rivières, Trois-Rivières wanted to do me a COVID test, I refused. But Trois-Rivières is a small prison. So when I refused, they don't have all those facilities. So they were like disturbed because they couldn't put me with other prisoners. So they were angry. They started to become, they became really, uh, I mean, they change because mm -hmm. they so, but even though they change, I, I went quiet without any problem. I wanted to take a shower, they refused all those things, but it was no problem because uh, it was on the 25th and I was having my call date on the 27th. So on the 27th, they took me and they brought me to the, to the court for my, uh, so now entering into the court, they brought me into the cell in the court because there are some cells in the court. And normally they were supposed to come and take me and to bring me to the court hall for that I have my judgment. And there were many people that were coming to support me and I thank them a lot. There are many people in Quebec that have been aware of what I was doing. I mean, we were we are together into that fight. So every time there was a court date, I really thank all those people that were been 
coming in crowds to sustain me and it was really, really an encouragement. And it was all also showing that I was not fighting a personal fight and it was a fighting and uh, I really thank all those people that have been present all that time. But what happened is that on that day, they brought me a phone. The judge was in the hall. So she was speaking and when she was speaking, everybody was hearing what I was saying. And they gave me a phone and they were the guard that was there. So when they put, they were hearing also what the, she was saying. So what happened is that she asked me that since I've refused the COVID test and since I refuse to wear the mask, do I give her the permission to send me back to prison so that I can have my court in video conference. I said that, no, I don't have any problem. I have not killed everybody. I want to have my court in front there in person. She said that, no, if I refuse, she will oblige to send me into quarantine in prison. So I, I asked her, okay, you are telling me that if I don't give you the permission to send me back into prison, to have my court in video conference, if I don't accept it, you will give the order that they bring me back to prison for 10 days. <laughs> so do you see the contradiction? Yes. If I don't accept that, if I don't give you the pen, so you have the power to do it. So she tell me that, no, please let me take time and think. I said that, no, there, I, um, I don't have anything to think. For me, I have to come into the, into the hall with present. So she, she finally, I was surprised on the 27th was supposed to be my last court date, but because I refused that she extended, I stood, I stayed in the prison until the 9th of May. Many things happened during that time, but because of them, I would not go into that detail. But finally on the 9th of May, I was released. And uh, then I, I had uh, those, I was having one criminal charge again that were remaining. That criminal charge was because in November, they decided to, to give uh, the vaccine to ch the children that was under the age of five. Mm. So we organized a protest into the a children hospital, the famous children hospital of Quebec, Saint Justine. Mm -hmm. We organized two protests there against the vaccination of children. It was the, so the police they they came. And all that is a, is a, was Facebook broadcast and all those things, and even the, the it was in the news and all that. And uh, so what happened is that uh, I um, they came, they said that you don't have to protest, go away. I refused, and and it was peaceful. So the fact that I said that I'm not going. Because there was a, 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 a law that we say that you don't have to protest 50 meters from an hospital. So since I refused, they said that that was a police obstruction. So I was having, that was the, the, the but finally they dropped that case because the strategy I, I, uh, I employ, I, I had a strategy, but they didn't want to go into that one. So finally they dropped that case. So from now, I don't have any criminal uh, accusation again. Uh, the only thing is that I have $98,000 of COVID fine and they are supposed to arrest me at any time. And there are many things, the fight is not over. It is not that I don't want, I, I really want to go into normal life, but what is going on is that there are still many things 
They are preparing us 15-minute cities. They are speaking about climate change. They are speaking about the, 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 the digital dollar. And they are speaking about numerical identity. Many things are going now into their agenda. They are speaking about uh, uh, gender, putting total confusion into gender and all those things. And mm -hmm. even COVID, it is some few days they have been saying that COVID cases are rising up in China again. And the Wu as is preparing uh, something so that they can take sovereignty above the, uh, on states, on all the state of the world. So th there are many things we still have to do. The fight is far from being over. Justin Trudeau is still there, and the Liberal Party is pre as the the vaccine mandate to the whole population is still there. So if they succeed to put their digital currency, what is a project with the numerical identity and many other things, they, there is still a lot of things to do. Um, I've been attacked on the 16th of May because I was going to a second protest against drag queen lecture in the public library with the money of the government to push the agenda, uh, LGBTQ and all that, the, all that, all those things. And uh, they came and they attacked me in my house. They break my glasses, this is another one. They, they burst all the tires of my car, the fur ones. And it was the second time they did it to me. They, they stole my phone. I bought another phone. They, I mean, it was a serious thing that happened on, on, on that day. And uh, yes, so there is a lot of things we still have to do. And uh, people say that I am uh, homophobic. I tell to the people that I am black, but I think that Black Lives Matters is a terrorist organization yes. that is founded by George Soros to divide the society and to, yes. So LGBTQ is like Black Lives Matter. It's a dangerous organization. That's right. And what one I always say is that uh, there are only two genders. Biologists show it. There are only male and female. It's not difficult to do the difference. And uh, also, even when you, you, you see the three letters of their movement, you, there is a proof that there is only two gender. L is a woman who sleep with women. Uh -huh. J is men who sleep with men. Uh -huh. B is somebody who sleep to both. So they recognize that there are only two. Yes. So one, one, no, so even if well, it's, you, it's an agenda for can well there's lots of agendas but it's can it's compelled speech it's controlled speech it's very 1984 the government doesn't actually care about any of these groups it's it's a way to control and social shame its citizens um it's a transhumanist agenda it's a depopulation yes. agenda there's there's very very many and but at like the root the most simplest non tinfoily one is it is compelled and controlled speech so that people are too afraid to say anything about anything and it's it's at the point where there it has nothing to do with gay people when there are strippers in front of children and people still don't speak up you see how powerful this method of control is and if people are unable to speak in front of that why how will they be able to speak when they will bring back another COVID wave or another 15-minute uh, yep. uh, cities or when they will put a digital currency 
because people don't they can put a digital currency with an expiring date meaning that you you cannot have like uh, you cannot save money when there is an expiring date so people have to stand up now and um, is right what you are saying and there are for example Justin Trudeau give $75,000 to all uh, Canadian uh, civil servant federal one who want to do a gender transition that right. he give he give $75,000 and when you see what they are pushing is any is all those things are concerning because the drag queen show they speak about gender fluidity they yeah. hypersexualize the children and they push them towards things that does not does not help the growth of population yeah. anything it is very easy to have a tenesia. It is very easy to have a, a, a sexual transition. They are pushing children towards gay lesbianism. All that does not um, promote life. Mm -hmm. While heterosexual relationship, humanity exists today. It is because of heterosexual uh, relationship, responsible one. It is, it is why all Almost all, less than 99, 90% of humanity has become, it came to, to life like that. And they are saying that the, the, human, the, the, the human population is increasing, which is completely wrong. It is not true. It is not true because uh, there is a, an article that came that said that in 2065, the population of the world will reach the top and they will start decreasing. And there are many countries in the world that lacks babies. Japan, the problem is so serious in Japan that they are saying that in some few years, there are schools that are going to be closed because of lack of students. People are, and they are making some, there's uh, uh, applications, some uh, things like Facebook, things like that, to make pe uh, people to meet and to have baby because there are lacking baby. But what the, the government are promoting, not promoting that they are only promoting things to gender transition, which are irreversible. Yes. And destroying the society with that and silencing. So um, for me, all those things, we have to stand up and we have to fight those things very seriously. And since I've been protesting, that is that the two times I've had a protest against uh, those uh, things and two times I've been attacked physically. The first time they burst one of my tires. The second one, they burst the four ones. They broke my glasses. They stole my phone. They stole even my, uh, I was having a, a, a manteau d'hiver. They stole it. But I'm even going to a protest tomorrow again. It is in a city five hours of Montreal. There are many people already prepared there. I will go there. I will, I will um, speak about that. But also I will meet people because things that I, I made the comics for students. The title is the chart. <laughs> so it, the comics, I made the comics to explain. And then uh, inside I speak about the chart. I speak about the, I mean, generally the, the problem of freedom. So I will go there, I will give it to them. We will have a protest. I also have tutors. I don't know, it's a famous magazine. Oh, I yeah. have many of them in English and French, but I have some French copy. So I will go there uh, and I will do it. We, we, we have to stand. What I want to do, I want to go back 
to be a math teacher and to live a simple life. That is, that is my, I, I don't want to go into politics. I don't want to, I really, but the problem is that you cannot be a normal math teacher. You cannot be, do any normal work with a world where you cannot say something. So yeah. that is why for me, even though I want to, to live a normal life, there is no possibility of living a normal life. My name in Quebec, for example, is all over like a bad person, like a, a conspiracy theorist, like a dangerous man, all those things. Mm -hmm. And um, not only that, but there are many people waking up already. There yes. are many people waking up and uh, I hope very, very soon everything will be over. So we don't have to back up, we have to stand. I really appreciate you coming here. I, I, I had a lot of good laughs, not at you, but your, your bravery. It just seems like nothing, nothing rattled you. And this is a really good story for people to hear where we're so afraid and you're, you're bang on that what's coming is much, much scarier than yes. Consequences of resisting, of speaking out; those consequences are real. But um, you're you're right. We we all need to be doing this now. And I, I felt the same. And when I started speaking out, people said, "Well, aren't you worried about your job? Aren't you worried about your friends?" And I said, "Well, none of that matters. None of that will exist in the future, anyways. Yes. If this thing passes." Yes, I mean. Uh... I think that many people around the world are working hard for that. And uh, if we stay quiet, we are going, we are giving them more power. But when the people start and the people decide to, to fight back, they will not have any choice than to, to go back. So um, I am, I'm not, I'm not, I'm more afraid of what they want to do mm -hmm. with their new world order that they, they can do to me personally. So that is, uh, is very important. I remember there is a true story of a man in Germany during the Hitler period who didn't want to go to, because at the time Germany needed many people, many young men into the army. So that man was married. He was having a, a house and a, a land in a village. He was having maybe, if I don't mistake, maybe three or four children. And uh, he was at the age to go to military. But he and his wife, they said, no, they don't want to participate in what Hitler is doing. But uh, finally arguing with people, people told him that you can go there, to help, not to help Hitler, but to help in other different things. So he finally accepted. So when he was there and uh, the wife was treated in our village with people that were despising her. And she, she was alone, a woman and with children. There were people that were coming to our house I mean, to not inside, but outside, they were stealing things in front of her, but stealing because like a huge man come, take something and she cannot do something. You just go with that. And when she's passing, women can spit on the ground, looking at her, things like that. But at the same time, the man, the, when he, he arrived, I think the first or the second day, they were supposed to lift up their hands while in the training to recite things uh, that they will obey, the Führer, all those things and he refused to lift up his hand. So there is a man who came, a, police, a soldier who came and saw, so just started laughing, but you don't want to obey. So they put him in jail um, in, the, in the army. They try everything, he said, no, 
I will not, I will never. Finally, since they try hard, he was not submitting himself. This is a true story. I don't have to find the name. And, and there is even a movie that has been made out of that. So one day, since he was not submitting himself, they decided to, to play on the psychology. They brought a, they, they brought a psychologist who, who spoke with him. The psychologist told him that what if Hitler does not know you? So what you are doing, that, that resistance is useless. You are just wasting your time. If you just go to the army, you will help yourself, you will help your family. Because what you are doing there, Hitler does not know you. You are wasting your time. Mm -hmm. So those are just the discouragement. But if the world has had at least some peace, if those um, globalists have changed their strategy, it is because people like that man have been many and they have resisted. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that we are generally afraid, but if we are many to say no, it will happen. It will work. In Quebec, for example, they decided that uh, all the nurses have to be vaccinated. If not, they will send them out of work. And the expiring date was the 15th of October, 2021. But there were so many nurses in Quebec that refused to get the vaccination that the government said that, okay, now it will be on the 15th of November, 2021. But the nurses still remain. On the 3rd of November, 12 days before, the Minister of Health said that, okay, now a nurse can be work. She only have to take three tests per week. So they back up because the nurses were many and they refused. Mm -hmm. So the problem, it comes and it, it happened also because in, in Montreal, in September 2020, they said that if you want to protest, you have to wear a mask. In the beginning, people obey. But when finally people realized that, no, we are not obeying, they were no more giving fines to people. So one, there is something to, to speak out. There is also something to say no is we don't obey. And when more people are courageous to speak out and to stand, it is important. That is why for me it's important to keep, because many people think that everything is over, Francois and all those things. I don't, I, I want to, ex, I, I, I told to many people that in 2020, my salary was more than $110,000. That is what I had, is like a salary in 2020. So I, I can easily go to the government and tell them that, yes, I will pay my COVID fine. Let us make an arrangement, even if they can reduce an amount. If I work hard one or two years, I can easily pay that one and everything be arranged. And I, I can easily doing that, even have a job like the one I was having, even a better one, or I go, I complete my PhD because it was close to, com to complete it. But what the people does not understand is that their agenda is a very serious one. They mm -hmm. want to submit, they, they want to reduce. If you see the Guidestone, the Guidestone Georgia, with the, with the vaccine, there are many people that are even dying and that are even side effects. And there are many consequences. People who will not be able to have children. The, the, and with the, the digital currency and all those what they want to implement, it will completely destroy the society as it is one. And there is even something in Quebec, there is a, a deputy 
would, would, would propose that because the, the house, the price of the house are going up in Quebec. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a really powerful story. I'm really excited to share it. Thank you so much for, for just doing what you did, doing what you did. Um, can you send us your Twitter links, um, the places where you're at right now so that I can put them into the show notes after so that we can continue to support you, follow your story, keep sharing these messages of bravery? Yes, I can send you later. Sure, yeah. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, Carla, for receiving me. It was very kind. I, I loved this conversation. Thank you, Francois. Thank you. And Thank um, we're, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. And um, stay in touch. Guys, what did I tell you? Isn't this a wild story? I mean, I'm embarrassed when I listen to this and I think about me ever putting on a mask at any time. I did in the beginning. I did. I stopped wearing it pretty quickly. But this man never relented. And like I said, you heard me laugh a couple times in that interview. I just was blown away. He was unshakable. That is the kind of self-trust you need in this wild world. And imagine if everybody did what he did. If everybody did what he did, nobody would have gone to jail. Nobody would have suffered. None of this would have happened. I hope you're inspired by this man's courage. And I want to give you an update when I hear back from him to see where he's at and what we can do for him because the pressure hasn't stopped, as you can tell from the story. So we'll keep you updated on what's happening here with Francois. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show and sharing any episodes that really resonate with you. If you like what we do here over at Sense Making, please consider hitting the subscribe button and sharing this uh, episode to your stories. It helps us a lot. As always, thank you so much, friends, and we'll see you guys next time.